Rainmaker FM. You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. Welcome to The Digital Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Sean Jackson, and I'm joined as always by the unflappable Katie Katz. Katie, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sean. I'm going to need a dictionary for one of these times. (laughs) (laughs) So Katie, for today's show, I want to share a little history with our audience that they may not know about me, because I think it will form the basis of the conversation we're going to have with our special guest. Many, many years ago, I got into SEO and was fortunate enough to do the content optimization work for PR Newswire. If you're not familiar with PR Newswire, at the time they were owned by UBM, a huge wire service. Them and BusinessWire were really the two main wire services for the PR industry. So I actually was very intimately involved with the PR space, specifically around SEO and online marketing, helping them optimize their site, helping them optimize their content. And I've always had a preference for the PR industry. It's, it's something that I've, I've always felt a connection to because of the work that I did. And there's an old adage in there, right, that all press is good press, even if it's bad, right? But recently, I think there's a, 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 a event that really got people in our space talking. And I think it's a good example as all press, really good press. So, Katie, what was that thing that recently happened that kind of caused a, a flap up in our space? Yeah. So, SEM Rush published a study a couple weeks ago um, about their machine learning algor- algorithms measurement of ranking factors, and it was pretty different from other ranking factors that uh, we've seen before in the industry. Particularly, they said that direct website visits were the number one ranking factor in order of importance influencing brands' abilities to rank in the SERPs. And they said that that correlated to brand affinity, uh, press, and all of those things, um, that if someone is growing their brand, they're getting more direct traffic and that that's allowing them to rank better. However... (laughs) There was a big uproar from SEOs. They had lots of feedback on correlation versus causation and is that really accurate? And it created quite a stir. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it, Sean. Well, I will say that I had my own opinions about this, but what was more fascinating to me, and I think more to point to the show, was the fact that it was controversial. I had some problems with the way that they did this. But here's the thing. They used research and promoted it using typical press relations and public relations methods to go out there and cause a huge stir in the industry. And that I was fascinated with because everybody starts talking about it, right? They get all, everybody was talking about it. Everybody yep. about it. And so it really, I think, again, highlights that sometimes, you know, if you get good press or bad press, it doesn't matter as long as you get press, right? <laughs> so exactly. I think for today's show, it is a good example of this idea of that intersection between 
PR and online marketing and how they've evolved over the years. And for today's show, we have a very special guest that will talk about that intersection and how you can apply it to your online marketing efforts. And when we get back from the break, Katie and I will interview Lee Odin and get his thoughts on this subject. Stay tuned. Hey, my name is Brian Gardner, and I am the creator of StudioPress, the first premium marketplace for WordPress themes. When I created StudioPress, I could never imagine that more than 200,000 WordPress site owners would use StudioPress to build some of the most elegant and inspiring WordPress sites on the web. And I am not just talking about the numerous large companies that use it. Tens of thousands of food bloggers, podcasters, affiliate marketers, real estate agents, photographers, and many more have created some of the most compelling mobile responsive websites using StudioPress. But that is not all. To make it easy for you to create a compelling WordPress site, we have introduced StudioPress Sites, a turnkey simple method to create and grow your WordPress site. StudioPress Sites includes many of our most popular WordPress themes with unique SEO tools and plugins all integrated on our high performance, secure and actively managed hosting infrastructure. So when you are ready to take your WordPress site to a new level without the worry or hassle of less robust solutions, then I hope you will visit studiopress.com. Over 200,000 bloggers and webmasters trust StudioPress for their WordPress site, and we work hard every day to earn it. Welcome back from the break. And Katie, will you please introduce us to our guest for the show? I'm excited to. Today we have... Lee Odin, who is the CEO and founder of Top Rank, which is a marketing agency headquartered out of Minneapolis, where I went to my undergrad. Um, and he is also renowned for his thought leadership on the intersection of PR and online marketing, which is our topic today. Um, he also has an award-winning blog, marketingblog.com, and is the author of a book with another very long title, much like some of our other speakers, <laughs> called Optimize How to Attract and Engage More Customers by Integrating SEO, Social Media, and Content Marketing. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an SEO at heart, and, and you got to optimize your book titles with keywords. <laughs> 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 so true, so true. And that leads me actually to the story of how you and I first met. It was back in 2009. We were at PubCon on a panel together. It was my very first panel. And you and I were talking literally about the intersection of PR and SEO. And this was in 2009. So has anything changed, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Um, I think one of the big things that's changed, especially in the world of PR and marketing, is convergence more people in the PR industry are expected to deliver marketing outcomes. They're creating a lot more content. They're getting a little more savvy around how to measure the performance of that content and justify their existence beyond just getting placements in media. And uh, on the other hand, I think more marketing folks are engaging in PR activities, especially in the world of SEO, where you have people that have media relations and journalist pitching skills now using those same skills for pitching content, um, for links, for traffic, you know, just for general promotion of the really good ideas that a brand's trying to uh, connect to an audience with. Right. And I think this, though, is something that I kind of frustrates me. And I'll, and I'll give you the two scenarios. The first scenario is you had these traditional PR people. And I would break PR into two categories, 
public relations and press relations, right? And that was a, a, typically what your PR department would do. They would deal with public information going out and how to deal with the press. And then all of a sudden, the content marketers get involved and they say, well, that skill set seems somewhat similar to what we need to do. And they start using, <coughs> excuse me, start using some of the same skill sets. But I think sometimes they fail at it. So what has been some of the big missteps you see in how these two groups have been interacting? I mean, are the PR people still thinking the old way and struggling with the new way? Are the online marketing people not doing effectively? I mean, where is kind of the missteps that you're seeing in the market between this convergent? Well, I think there are a lot of PR people who are still fundamentally held accountable to pickups in third-party media. So earn media, basically. How can a brand gain exposure in the publications that are read by the target audience you know, that they're trying to, to, to connect with and not always held accountable to marketing deliverables? And so while we have an increase in expectations that PR can contribute to the marketing performance for a business, the engagement scenarios don't always account for that. And people... Ex- people's expectations are not being met. And, and this creates a lot of disconnects, I think, um, and undervaluation uh, and under-optimization or utilization of uh, what PR can do and bring to the table. So, for example, you know, if I have a content program and we use uh, best answer you know, type program, so we have a singular idea that we're trying to be the best answer for, so we have a content, a constellation of content where there's a central idea and derivative ideas, And so we're creating and optimized socializing and publicizing those ideas out to the world. So concurrent to, um, you know, some really deep exploration of what an idea means that would be relevant to a buyer, we also create derivative ideas and then pitch that to third-party media concurrently. And a lot of PR people will only do the pitching. They won't even think about, you know, the need for buyers to self-educate themselves through the entire journey. They're not held accountable for that. And that's a big disconnect. Mm-hmm. What about press releases? You know, for many, many decades, the wire services, Business Wire, PR Newswire, etc., really formed a center point of the PR industry in getting press releases done. There's a whole uh, how-to sections of how to write an engaging press release, etc., and certainly there are more options for distribution. Should businesses still be thinking about those wire services for distribution of press releases? Do press releases still matter? I think that it's a good thing to experiment with. And, you know, so interestingly, I have a long history with press releases as a, as a, as a promotion tool. In fact, I sent my first press release, optimized press release through PR web in 2000. And uh, that was before we started our current agency. So I got to know David McGinnis, the founder pretty well. In fact, ultimately we were doing technical SEO for the PR web platform for several years um, doing audits and that sort of thing. So you're welcome, SEO industry, back in the day <laughs> when you could use PR web press releases to get yourself all kinds of really wonderful, juicy links. Um, anyway, so I think, like anything, it's something that you really have to test out for yourself. I wouldn't use it like we did in the past and hope that, well, look, if we send out a press release, it's going to get a certain number of credible pickups automatically or that people are even going to notice it manually and include it. Uh, you really have to focus on the story just like with any other content. And so if you're not sure, but you see evidence that competitors are getting visibility through that means of 
you know, distribution, then I think it's worth testing out for yourself. But I wouldn't add it as an automatic into a marketing mix. I would definitely approach it tentatively. But you would also, though, I mean, some of the techniques of the press release concept, right, are some of the same things that uh, people are doing to reach out to the blogger community. I mean, I will tell you with this show that you, I get a ton of people who are constantly emailing me, oh, you talked about this, here's something related. So, I mean, is that something that still works? Is it something that, you know, I see more and more a flood of people coming in Um but I don't know, is it something that is working, that active, proactive outreach to say, you wrote X, now I have something about Y, uh, why don't you link to it, write about it, et cetera? The, the function I see press releases and the distribution channels uh, that are the wire services use to get them out is pure, like an ad. It's an ad. It, it's, 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 it's to create a signal. It's a moment of interaction that would work in addition to other things that you're doing. So um, when Google News and even, you know, other news syndication services, they will take content that is distributed through a wire service. And there are still quite a few regional publications that automatically copy press releases into, um, into their websites. Those things can show up where buyers are looking. Okay, and, and, and so that is an automated kind of exercise is something that could work for your industry in terms of manually publishing or I'm ma- excuse me, manually reaching out. Um, yeah, if, if you if it's relevant and this is the big disconnect is irrelevant asks in that way. It's like, hey, I see you write a blog about business. Hey, uh, do you want to, uh, <laughs> you know, link to this article about canonical URLs or something like that? Right. You know, <laughs> the rel canonical tag. What? You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's not necessarily specifically relevant. So I think if you follow best practices in terms of highlighting stories and are you know personalized to the person you're pitching to, then it doesn't make sense. So like when someone, for example, someone sends me, and I'm sure you've gotten these too, someone sends you an inline press release. I'm like, are you nuts? I'm a blogger. I'm not going to write a story about your press release. (laughs) Now, if you send me a link to something, I may share it to our social network of a couple hundred thousand people, but I'm not going to write an article. You know, so there's some modernization and some empathy that could make some of those traditional media relations tactics still work. So where do you see the industry going? I mean, you are certainly in the heart of it. I know you speak at all of the big uh, PR events. You speak at the SEO events. I mean, you are obviously someone in the middle of it. Where do you see the challenges going forward for the next several years? What do you think a small business owner should be thinking about when it comes to this intersection of PR and online marketing? Well, you know, it's it's interesting how at this while there are some of those fundamental things, you know, the 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 more things change, the more they stay the same is still relevant. And, and when it comes to storytelling, um, you, you really have to find your, as they say in marketing lingo, your unique selling proposition. Uh, you need to find out what story that your buyers can connect with, but that is also meaningful in communicating the value that your business offers. When you figure out that story or stories relevant to your target audiences, you know, a lot of doors will open. And so this is something that's been true as long as people have been marketing stuff. And it's still true today. And so many people suck at it that it's still an opportunity to differentiate. So I think once you have that story um, squared away, then you can start to use some of the new shiny objects, whether it's a social channel or um, 
if you're a large organization, you can invest in some of the technologies, marketing technologies out there, everything from predictive analytics to dynamic personalization, uh, content platforms to actually using AI and machine learning um, for uh, uh, as part of content marketing platforms that can, you know, sift through vast amounts of, you know, dark data, structured, unstructured data to deliver insights that will then make you help you optimize um, your your content. Um, you know, all those things, whether there's technology involved or not, all are connected to the value of the um, relevancy of the story. So, Katie, you've been awfully quiet during this, and I know you have a ton of questions for Lee. So, Katie, what do you have for Mr. Odin? I do. I do have a ton of questions. Um, so, first, I'm wondering, you know, Lee, you're really good personally at at growing your own personal brand um, and as well as that of top ranks. And I think that's something that many marketing agencies struggle with, you know, take care of your clients before you take care of yourself. Um, and it's the same thing with other types of entrepreneurs, depending what their specialty is. How do you prioritize that um, as an agency and make sure that you're making time to grow your own brand um, and build awareness in that way um, using PR and other methods? Well, so that's that's an issue. Well, first, I'm glad to know that other agencies have this strange uh, uh, idea that you know you always take care of clients first before you take care of yourself. Because I do the same thing, and I suffer the consequences <laughs> of my own rule um, in terms of resources that I allow myself to to have. I am in a very fortunate position as an you know as a face of the company and evangelist for the great work that my team is doing to have a group of leaders in my organization um, that, that are able to, you know, take care of things while I'm out <laughs> traveling the world, uh, evangelizing mm -hmm. the work that they're doing, you know? So I think, um, and, you know, you've got to really have strong leadership in your organization that can take care of the operational aspects of the business um, and uh, have faith in the fact that it may make sense for someone, and it doesn't have to be the CEO, who can function as the face of the organization and do the kinds of things that create signals of credibility in the industry, develop relationships, and most importantly, uh, with others in the industry to have a vision and point of view that, um, that, that can really connect with people. And, and that's, that's what I've had the luxury of doing since I started speaking around 2005. So I think one thing you said there about relationships, I think is really important. Personally, that's been very helpful for me in um, having opportunities and things. Um, and I think it's also really important for PR. And do you think that there is, do you have any strategies for, um, you know, reaching out and building those relationships ahead of time so that when it becomes time to pitch a conference or pitch an article or, you know, reach out in, to someone who was a stranger before so that they're not a stranger. Um, what kind of tactics do you use to build those relationships ahead of time? So Katie asked the secret sauce question. Okay. All right. She's All the right. smart one, Lee. I'm telling you. Yes. Well, you know, it's that time she spent in Minnesota. You know, the cold <laughs> does something. It's, it's that go for education. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, well, you know, the answer to that is is literally a book. But I'll so the Cliff Notes version. Optimize it, Lee. Yeah, I'm going to optimize. It. Um, I guess so. So we play a lot in the influencer space now. I didn't always think of it that way, but um, when you want to be influential, you want to be an authority about a certain area. 
then it really bodes well for you to connect with people uh, who are already influential in that area. And I know that's fundamental, but again, people, so many people suck at it. So what you've got to do is find out how can you create value for those other influencers, right? What are they not getting that you can deliver? And think about how you can provide that uh, to them in a way that creates a sort of stepping stone to confidence and trust and credibility for you, right? So the way I did that, the strategy, I started to you know, just do like a lot of people are doing roundup posts and stuff like that. And it's so funny because they treat them as one night stands. It's hilarious. You know, and, and they just do the roundup post, hope that people share and go to the next group of people. Well, mm-hmm. we actually have a, a, an architecture for that. So if, you know, and actually I was just working with our, um, one of my, one of my, uh, team members here, Ashley, uh, on, on a, a quadrant for, for, uh, exactly how this, this, this works. But Fundamentally, you have to ask yourself first with the influencers that do you have a connection with them or not? And uh, if you do, then, you know, there's things that you can do to invite them to collaborate on content. And uh, if you don't know them, then there are things you can do to invite them to make it really easy for them to collaborate on content to give them exposure. And when you make it really easy for someone to contribute to something, that's just the first step in a sequence of steps that build an actual relationship. You know what I mean? So that's literally what I've been doing. Uh, it's for to attract inbound PR, right? Because that's my entire um, point of view or, yeah, my, my entire point of view around this is to attract, right? Mm-hmm. And to attract first means topic specificity. And like I said before, you know, what do you want to be the best answer for? So to create a resource that is a body of work that creates value, that articulates you know, strategy, how to, that sort of thing. And we did that with our blog, um, by the, with the credibility of the blog was able to connect with people and actually got a lot of, you know, speaking requests, uh, that way. Um, I, you know, when I just said, Hey, I'm going to launch a book, I'm publishing a book. I didn't do any pitching whatsoever. I should have, but I didn't. And I had, gosh, I don't know how many speaking gigs, just because people had heard on our blog that I was publishing a book, asked me to speak. And I was busy for months and months and months afterwards just because of announcing. So I think you can create a lot of PR for yourself by, you know, there's an expression I, I used at uh, PubCon. If you want to be in the media, become the media, right? And everyone is empowered to publish these days. So you got to think about what is that you want to be, what's your topic, what is that specific topic you want to be influential about? And drill down on that and create resources around answering questions for people about what that thing means. And then as you do that, connect with other people who are already influential about those things and find ways to work together with them on things that will help the industry overall. And when you do that, you create relationships, you create momentum, and you create your own weather, essentially, and then everything will come to you. At least that's that's what my experience has been. You know, Lee, it's making me laugh because I'm looking at your blog right now at toprankblog.com. And sure enough, what is the story that is uh, published right now as we're talking? Content conversations, how to hit the ground running with content marketing in 2018. And sure enough, there's seven people on there that all are giving great insight, but they are all hugely influential in the space. So it's kind of nice to see how you are really not just pre- Preaching to the choir, if you will, but you're actually doing this stuff now. 
So I want to push back a little bit on this because knowing your story, okay, of how you started in this industry, right? Because you you really came into it as a vendor, if you will, that had a certain amount of expertise. You went, you took your, uh, got into this agency, you really kind of took over this agency, you bought the, the agency up. But you in the early days, and that's what I want to kind of end on. I want to talk about what it was like in the early days because you did a lot to take these principles for your agency specifically. So what would you advise people that one, two, three person, you know, agency structure, what should they be thinking about right now based on your experience of when you were smaller, before you had the big staff, before you had all this, what should they be doing right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not so different than what I was talking about. I, I would think about what do you stand for? right? You just get really specific about what that thing is that you do stand for and then create evidence in the world that you are credible about that thing. And, you know, that might be through starting a blog. It might be through publishing content through different social channels. It might be through connecting with networking groups or uh, associations. Uh, it may be, you know, through collaborating with people. That's my favorite thing is let's, unwork, let's work on something together to better the industry in some way. Right. If we can do that, you people really learn what you're about and the advocacy for you that can happen as a result of that experience can be amazing, whether you're a solopreneur, two, three, four person shop. So that that's something that, you know, if you can distill what it is that you're doing to create value for your customers into some singular sort of idea and then create evidence through content, through interactions, through relationships that you really are a go-to person for that thing. I think that's one of the most important things you can do to cut through the information overload that everyone is experiencing right now. Lee, I cannot thank you enough for being a part of this show, for the words of wisdom that you have, for what you have truly, truly contributed to our entire industry. We truly appreciate you being here today. Well, it's, it's an honor for me to be here, and I love talking to you guys. I miss talking to you guys. I hope we can uh, talk again in person soon. Absolutely. That would be great. And we will be right back after this short break. Hey, everyone. This is Sean Jackson, the host of The Digital Entrepreneur. And I want to ask you a simple question. What is your business framework for selling digital goods online? Now, if the question perplexes you, Don't worry, you are not alone. Most people don't realize that the most successful digital entrepreneurs have a framework or a general process for creating and selling their digital goods in the online space. And one of the best free resources is Digital Commerce Academy. Digital Commerce Academy combines online learning with case studies and webinars created by people who make a living selling digital goods online. And the best part is that this material is free when you register. Are you interested in joining? Well, I'll make it easy for you. If you're listening to the show on your phone and are in the continental United States, I want you to send a text message to 313131 with the keyword digits, D-I-G-I-T-S. And when you send that text message, we will send you a link to the registration form right to your phone. Are you outside the United States? Don't worry. Just send us an email to digits at rainmaker.fm. Either way, we'll send you a link to the registration form so that you can sign up for free for Digital Commerce Academy. 
And as a special bonus, we will also subscribe you to our newsletter when you text or email us so that you can stay informed with the latest insights from the show. And don't worry, we respect your privacy and we will not share your email or phone number and you can easily unsubscribe at any time. So if you want to start building or improving your framework for selling digital goods online, then please send a text to 313131 with the keyword digits or send us an email at digits at rainmaker.fm. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back from the break. Katie, wasn't that an awesome interview with Lee? I, he's such a nice guy. He's a wonderful speaker. I actually saw him speak for the first time at PubCon. He keynoted a couple weeks ago, and he had the audience awake and energized early in the morning on one of the last days. So it was very, he's a wonderful person to talk to. So let's go ahead in this segment, as we always do, to end the show with some recommendations. So obviously, since we've had an author on, we are going to recommend everyone read Optimize by Lee Oden. Good book, very much uh, the principles that he talks about on the show were in the book, and even more so. So we will definitely put a link into there. But, Katie, you know that this industry relies on a lot of tools, especially when it comes to PR and influence outreach. So what are some tools you would recommend for our, for our audience? Absolutely. So one of the tools after the show, kind of inside conversation that Lee recommended is BuzzSumo, which I also really like. It has a lot of features, especially for tracking social media and content. They have a new tool that they they launched called Bloomberry, but now it's Question Analyzer under BuzzSumo's brand. And it's a great way to um, ask find information. They scrape the forums and Amazon and all these places where people are asking questions and it gives you the real questions people are asking related to your topic in the order of importance. So that's a really great content resource. Um, But today we were specifically talking about the intersection of digital marketing and PR and social media and how all of those things work together, just like uh, the topic of Lee's book. And I'd also really like to recommend the tool BuzzStream for that. It's a really robust platform that allows you to track influencers across all of their platforms. You can even hook up your email so that you can track every interaction that you're having with them and I know if anyone is like me and has a terrible memory, it will allow you to kind of dig back in and see how your relationship has been growing over time and sort of put, you know, put data behind it and make it a lot more technical. (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely. And the one that I would recommend, and I think this is uh, actually from a PR firm in the uh, UK, is a a site called AnswerThePublic.com. That site blows me away because what it does is it allows you to put in a topic and then see all of the questions people are asking on search engines related to that topic. And it does it both in a visual way and a data way. I really liked it. You've used it before, Katie? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Invaluable content resource. So we've got BuzzSumo, we've got BuzzStream, and I almost want to add Buzz to the next one, but we can't answer the public.com. <laughs> so folks, we will include links to all of these resources in our show notes for this episode. 
So, Katie, that brings us to the end of the show. Do you have any oh, parting? No. I know, I know. It goes by <laughs> fast. What parting thoughts do you have for our audience as they think about this idea of the intersection of PR and online marketing? Just to really stress the importance of it as we move forward, I think that there was a concern that PR was sort of this old-fashioned strategy that you reach out to newspapers and things and and how relevant can it really be if we are all publishers like Lee said Um, and it still is really very important you never want to forget each of your owned earned and paid areas Um, and so a lot of the tools and tactics that we talked today will really help anybody as they're trying to grow with those strategies a good way to end this show folks we will catch you next time on the digital entrepreneur. Have a great week, everyone.